0: If you will stand with me and let's look at the word of the Lord in Luke chapter 1, beginning at uh, verse 67. This is Zachariah's prophecy uh, at the birth of John. John would be about eight days old at the time of this uh, prophecy. It may be referred to in your Bible as the Benedictus because it begins with the word in verse 68, blessing and uh, that is its corollary in Latin, benedictus. And so that's traditionally what this has been referred to, but it is a prophecy of blessing, of what God is doing, of the ministry of uh, the Lord. And so we want to begin reading in verses 67. We'll read all the way through verse 80, and then skip over to chapter 3 and read verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord says to us, and his father, John's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Now, mind you, uh, John and Elizabeth have already been filled with the Spirit. This is uh, Zacharias was the third in the series to be filled with the Holy Spirit at this point. And he prophesied saying, "'Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people.'" And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God with which The sunrise from on high will visit us. To shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet in the way of peace. Verse 80. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. And just flip your page over to chapter 3. Begin in verse 1. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar... When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetriarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip was tetriarch of the region of Iturea, and Trachonitis and Lysanias was tetriarch of Abilene, and the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the public reading of Scripture. We're grateful today, God, that your presence is here, that we can uh, hear the word of the Lord preached to us in this assembly, God, without fear of anyone coming and trying to stop us, without fear of our uh, life being taken away from us. God, as so many who are in the world today, when they have a scripture or a page of the Bible or the word hidden in their heart they're often called to give an account with their very life. And so God, I would pray today that for those of us who are here this morning, God, that we would realize what a privilege it is to gather together and that our hearts, our minds, and our spirits would be attentive to what you would speak to us this morning. I pray, Lord, that as you have called me to preach this message, that you will help me to do so effectively and by the power of the Spirit, that I would not speak according to man's wisdom, but to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for it. Bless this time. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to share with you in the continuation of this message series, the story of Advent, I'd like to speak to you about being in the desert at Christmas. Being in the desert at Christmas. I always like the idea of snow at Christmas time. When I think about people who live in the warm climates, I think they really got the short end of the stick at Christmas. Some of you may feel differently about that. When I think about Christmas time, I think, oh, it's nice to have some snow. It'd be nice for Cold weather, even on Christmas Day when it's really sunny outside or if it's warm, it doesn't to me just seem like it's like just as Christmas should be. I think of the postcard picture of a house up in Vermont surrounded by the snow with the evergreens around. That's what I think of when I think about Christmas time. But when we think about the message this morning and what is going on here with Zacharias and With John, what we find as uh, Zacharias prophesied about what was going to come, that John found himself in the wilderness or in the desert place. And so I want to speak to you about that specifically because I believe in our day, uh, particularly this year where so many of us are wondering what is going on in our world, what is going on in our culture, what is going on with me, because circumstances and situations are changing all the time and our our life seems to be upended by the events in our world, I want to speak to you about being in the desert place at Christmas. When we begin to look at this uh, prophecy of Zacharias when he was filled with the spirit, I want you to picture him as it were being up on a mountain and seeing what is far ahead, seeing the beauty of the mountain and what lies ahead. If you and I were to take a drive this morning and we were to go up on the parkway and we were to pull out over one of the uh, overlooks that looks out over the valley, it would seem like you could see forever if the skies were clear you would look out and we would probably talk about how beautiful it was. No matter what time of year that we would drive up there, we would look out in the distance and we would say how beautiful that is. Maybe you've been up in an airplane at some point and you kind of looked out the window and you see the patchwork quilt of what is below you and you think the beauty of God's handiwork, the glory of what God has done. But if you were to go down into those towns or into those cities and you're to get involved in individual people's lives, what you see is that every person in the midst of that beauty has their own circumstance and trial and situation that they're dealing with. But when God gives us a prophecy like he does beginning here in verse 68, it's like we're up on the mountain or we're up in that airplane and we're seeing things from a distance and we're seeing the beauty of what is to come. We're seeing what is ahead of us. And that's the way Zacharias' prophecy begins out. And this is the point of prophecy, to point us to a time when things will be better. point us to a time when God will intervene and God will bring things together in a way which is glorifying and pleasing to him. As Zechariah prophesied and we picture him looking far ahead and seeing the glory and the beauty of God's promises being fulfilled, he shows us that God is working to fulfill his promises in times past that God has been faithful to fulfill his promises, that through Jesus, who was to come, who is coming, that through Jesus, that the lineage of David and the promise to David's line would be fulfilled, that salvation will come to Israel and God will show mercy based on his promises to Abraham. We see in verses 74 and 75 that God cares And he desires to bring peace to people in the present. He calls his people to serve him in holiness and in righteousness. And the latter part of this prophecy, we see that God is affirming his future work of what is to come. Zacharias prophesies prophesies that John will be a prophet of God. At this point, he's only eight days old. He hasn't prophesied anything. He hasn't said anything other than maybe crying out in the night. He says that John will prepare the way of the Messiah Jesus, that he will help bring knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. At this point, when Israel is still expecting their Redeemer to come as a mighty warrior, Zacharias is prophesying prophesying that there will be uh, this one who will come who will offer the forgiveness of sins. Zacharias trusted in these great Promises of God for deliverance and for hope. He saw them coming. He was up on the mountaintop and he saw the beauty of what was to come. That's what prophecy is about. When we read through the scriptures and we see the prophecies of things to come, they're to give us hope that there will be a better time. They're to give us hope that Jesus is going to come again. That even though we're in the midst of difficult times right now, even though we're kind of in this tension between where we exist and what God is calling us to, we have hope when we read the scriptures that there will be a time when Jesus returns again and sets things right. That is the purpose of prophecy is to give us hope in what is to come. And we see that through this prophecy of Zacharias. God has been faithful in the past. God will get you through the present. And God has a beautiful plan to fulfill in the future. The beauty of seeing the long-range picture of what God is doing. In Amos 3.7, it says that God does nothing without first informing his holy prophets. God's work upon the earth, he whispers in the ears of the prophets, and they proclaim what God is going to do in the days ahead. That's the beauty of being in a church or in a place or reading Scripture and finding the words of hope of Scripture. We can grab a hold of them, hold on to them tight, and know that God is going to do something. God is going to see us through. And the reason for those words words of prophecy become very clear. Zechariah's prophecy becomes very clear, particularly when we find ourselves in the desert. Particularly when we find ourselves coming off the mountain peak and going down into the desert place. After this prophecy was made about who John would be and What John would do, verse 80 says, that he continued to grow and to become strong in spirit. And where did he live? In the desert until the time of his public appearance. Be mindful that the desert often comes after the promise when God speaks to you about what he's doing in your life, when God speaks to you about good things, when God gives you a vision of what is to come, often after that comes the time of the desert, walking through the difficult spot. Israel, when they left Egypt, imagine what was going on that night. Imagine as they were gathering things for the Passover and as they had taken the hyssop and they had struck the top of the door and the two sides and they were gathered in with their cloaks on and with their staff and they were eating the Passover lamb in haste. And in the day prior, they had gone to their Egyptian neighbors and said, give us gold and give us silver and give us things for our walk out into the wilderness. And the Egyptians freely give it to them. The Bible says that they plundered the Egyptians freely without drawing a shot And they go out into the wilderness. They leave Egypt after God does these mighty and miraculous things, after all the plagues and all the things that have come, and the Israelites seeing the mighty deliverance of God and passing through the Red Sea. And then where do they end up? In the wilderness for 40 years of wandering. But it was the 40 years that brought the whole nation to a point of trusting God. It was the desert that removed the longing for Egypt because there were almost none who remained at the end of that 40 years. And it was a desert that caused them to trust in the Lord that there was yet a land of promise, that we won't remain in this desert forever because in time long ago, God promised us a specific geographic piece of land and God will be faithful to fulfill his promise. Jesus at the beginning of his ministry was 40 days in the wilderness as well. He lived and existed 40 days in the wilderness. And here in this passage, we see John going to his wilderness experience. But the desert place is the place of growth and strength. But if you go to the desert, you have to go prepared. You have to go prepared. You have to carry with you water in the desert, right? If you and I were going to go out and we were going to live in the desert for a while, one of the first things that we would think about is how will we survive? How are we going to survive the desert experience? And one of the things that would begin to pop in our mind is we need to take with us water because why? Water is scarce in the desert, isn't it? Water is difficult to come by. And so you and I, we go to the store and we are going to pick up what we see as the utmost survival product. And we're going to take this with us in our desert experience. And the guy who is the, the true wilderness guy who's done it before, who knows how it is, who's hardy and gone through the extreme, is going to say, What? You fool. And so we go back to the store and we say, Well, if this won't do it, I'll try something a little healthier. Yes. This will work. It says lemonade, right? It's got lemons in it. That's certainly healthier and will sustain me in the desert, right? And the wilderness guy says, you fool. And so we go back because he wants us to be healthy. We get this stuff. that people drink only because they want to seem healthy but taste horrible. (laughs) Some natural sweetener. And the guy would say to us again, what? You fool. Because when you go in the desert, you need something that's going to sustain you, right? You need something that's going to help you For the long haul, you need something that is going to give to you what you need at the right moment. And taking pure water with you in the desert is important for your survival. The other stuff would be considered junk that would only last you a few hours to a few days. Taking pure water with you would help you. And the same thing when we look at things in the spiritual realm. There are so many people who are walking through the desert place and they're holding on to the wrong promise. There are so many who are going through the difficult spot of life and they're holding, grabbing tightly onto the wrong promise and it's not the spiritual strength that they need. It's not the health that they need. It's not carrying them through and they continually wonder, God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And it's because they're holding on to the wrong promise. You have to hold on to the right promise in the desert place. Jesus himself said, in this world, you're going to have what? Trials, tribulations, difficulty. Paul tells us, look to Jesus who himself went as a suffering servant. That there are times when you will go through deep Pain. There are times when your body will seem like it is not working properly. There are times when people will say or do things to you that don't seem right. There are times when you will walk through the valley and you have to grab a hold of the right promise. Rest in God's promises, not your earnest desires. Even Jesus, in Luke chapter 22 and 39, he cries out to God and he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, remove from me this journey to the cross, yet not my will, but your will be done. What Jesus is saying here is that I have a desire that I, don't have to, that I would not have to walk through this painful journey that is ahead, that I wouldn't have to go through this type of suffering, which is a true glimpse into the humanity of our Lord. That when you and I have gone through the challenges of life, we have an understanding that Jesus has gone through them too. Jesus has worked through these circumstances and situations, and this gives us a glimpse of the Lord's care and trust for us. But Jesus says, Yet not my will, but yours be done. I have a desire to go a different route. Yet I know, God, you have a plan and a promise and I'm trusting your plan and promise over the desire that I have at this particular moment because Jesus recognizes that beyond the suffering of the cross is joy unspeakable and full of glory. I love being a believer who believes in the full gospel. What that means is that when I read this in scripture and I read through the book of Acts, as we have been going through the book of Acts, and I see the power of God moving in the church and through the people of God, I believe everything that happens. I believe in divine healing. I believe in God's instantaneous deliverance. I believe in God's comforting hand upon us. And I believe it is available for you and for me. But one of the things we must realize is that even when Lazarus rose from the dead, he died to again. Even those who were sick, who were healed by Jesus, they died again because this world is not where our promise is fulfilled. It is in the time that is to come. And when you are walking through the desert place, you have to hold on to the right promise. You have to be looking forward to the right promise that though I may not get everything I want, though this cup may not pass from me, yet I know. That in the future there is a glorious hope that awaits me in the presence of the Lord. We must be a people who hold on to the right promises. The promise that there is beyond the desert hope and joy and a future full of glory. On the cross, those who were hurling insults at Jesus essentially said this particular issue that we're looking at. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. And In other words, thwart God's plan right now. Do it your way right now. And we'll believe who you say you are. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Circumvent the plan of God. They were trusting in the wrong promise. Show us a sign and we'll believe. Signs never make people believe. you, You read the book of Revelation and what you see is sign after sign after sign after sign. And what happens is they fail to believe. They curse God. They see signs in the heavens, signs below. Jesus says a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. The right promise is that the world is broken and painful. But on the other side, there is great joy in the presence of the Lord. The only hope we have is in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to set things right again. But the beauty of this Christmas season is that it helps to remind us that there are times when God breaks in among us. This is why when we have needs for healing. When we have needs for deliverance, when we desire the manifestations of God's grace, we are going to pray and we are going to believe. When someone is sick, we're going to lay hands because we believe that there are times and seasons when God breaks in and God does heal. We're going to pray for those who need deliverance because we believe that there are times and seasons when God breaks in and God delivers, all while trusting in holding tight to the true promise that this life is but a passing vapor and will step into the life that is to come in the presence of the glory of Jesus. The larger promise is the one that we are pushing towards and waiting for. But sometimes when our faith gets all wrapped up in the here and now, we're blinded by the glory of what is to come. That's really what our longing ought to be. That's really where our hope ought to rest and what God is going to do. And the prophetic word that says there will be a day when the Lord Jesus comes back astride a white horse where he will split the sky, where we will be caught up in the air to meet him. That is the promise and the hope that we will be around his throne forever and forever exalting and praising him. That is the right promise to hold on to in the desert place. And when you hold on to that right promise, you're able to drink freely from that promise's well in the midst of your particular circumstance. Luke chapter verses 1 and 2 tells us that what was prophesied about John when he was eight days old came to pass at some point in his late 20s, maybe when he was 30. And Christmas speaks to us that fulfillment of God's promises comes on God's timetable, but those promises will come to pass. God is sovereign and he knows best how you should face every single circumstance that comes your way. We must believe as his people that God will one day punish the wicked and one day reward the righteous, that in your life he will dry every single tear that you have cried. Elizabeth, when she was filled with the Holy Spirit at the sight of Mary coming toward her, she cried out, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary believed in the face of the impossible. And if anybody knew it was impossible, it was Mary. She was the one who knew that what had been spoken to her about this child that was going to form in her womb was an impossibility. How can this be since I do not know a man? This is impossible. The promise is impossible. The prophecy is impossible. It cannot logically come to pass. But when Elizabeth sees her at a distance and John in her belly is filled with the Holy Spirit and Elizabeth says, blessed is she who comes, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken a while back, that it would indeed come to pass. If you find yourself this morning in the desert place, you are wondering in your particular circumstance and situation, God, where are you? You have Seen the word of the Lord and the beauty that is ahead. You've been at the top of the mountain. You've heard the preaching of the gospel. You've read it for yourself. You've heard that God has a plan for you. You heard that God has a purpose for your life. You've stood at the top of the mountain, and you've seen the beauty of what is ahead, but now you step down into the valley, and you're in the desert, and you're wondering, in my circumstance, in this particular challenge that I'm facing, God, where are you? God, why am I having to go through this? God, why am I having to struggle with this? God, why can't I get rid of this habit? God, why can't I be delivered? What the Lord wants you to do today is to pick up his good and precious promise that there is a day coming when God will set everything right. And by his grace and by his mercy, every trial and every circumstance that you are facing right now is to prepare you for that glorious day. So today he may deliver you from your habit. Or you may be like the Apostle Paul who said, three times I sought the Lord to take this thorn in the flesh out of my side. Three times I sought the Lord that this messenger of Satan who was coming against me would be taken away. And the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, the Lord said to the Apostle Paul, keep walking through the desert, Paul. There's a greater promise ahead. Paul, hold tight unto the promise that is ahead, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you to persevere in every circumstance, in every trial. This messenger of Satan has no power over you, Paul. I have redeemed you. I have a place for you. I have a plan for you. Hold on to the good and precious promise, Paul. Don't pick up the sugary sweet mess, Paul. Don't pick up the light gospel, Paul. Feast on the meat of the gospel, Paul. Don't pick up the wrong promise, but Paul. Pick up the right promise. Know that my grace is sufficient for you. What we must come away with in our understanding today is that if you have cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ and you have said, Jesus, save me from my sin. Jesus, deliver me out of the iniquity and bondage of sin. Everything that you face, God is working for your good and his glory. What you must do is never let go of the ultimate promise. God may miraculously deliver you today. He may miraculously comfort your heart. He may miraculously transform your situation today. I believe he does it. I pray that he does it. I pray for people all the time that God would heal them. And I believe that God does it. And I believe God will do it. But what I also know is every single person who has claimed a healing at some point in their life are going to face death if the Lord tarries. And so what we have to do is hold on to the great promise that there is coming one day when God will set everything right again. And when you hold on to that promise, it will be the water that you can drink freely from time and time and time again in every situation that you find yourself in. And I believe that today there are some of us here who need to be reminded to drink from the well once again. There are some of us who need to be reminded that it's time to drink from the well once again. Maybe you've held on to a promise that was a sugary, sweet promise. Maybe you've held on... Thank you. Maybe you've held on to a promise that maybe... Maybe it wasn't this man. Maybe it was just this man. But it's not the promise that God is telling you to hold on to. It's not the hope that God is calling you to. It's not the hope that God is calling you to long for. The hope that God is calling you to long for where your affection should be when you wake up in the morning, where your desire should be when you're thinking about your situation, is is today the day. Is today the day when God comes and once for all delivers me? When God once for all sets the world back in order again? When God once for all judges the righteous and the unrighteous? When God once for all puts it all back in order once again, this Could be the day when I'm caught up to be in his presence forever, and I don't ever have to worry about those things ever, ever again. Today could be the day. Will you stand with me as we seek the Lord in prayer this morning? Oh, heavenly Father, we thank you, oh Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your good and precious promises. God, help us this morning by your grace and mercy, O Lord. That yes, while we believe that there is healing and deliverance and grace for everyone, yes, we believe that God breaks in among us, O Lord. But God, not even those things are what we're hoping after. We're longing for the presence of Jesus. That is our good and precious promise. That even as we walk through the desert, that ultimately there will be a fulfillment. Just as Zacharias prophesied, that his son would grow and become a prophet of the Most High. Even though John lived 30 years in the desert, the promise still came to pass at its appointed time. There will be a fulfillment. You've read the promises in the word. You've trusted them in your life. God is speaking to you today to hold fast, hold fast, don't lose hope. Don't hold on to the wrong promise. Hold on to the right promise. The Lord knows that his good and precious promise will carry you through the dark spot. that even when others seem joyful and happy and you're going through the muck and the mire, when your Christmas seems to be in the desert place, God says, hold on, hold on to my good promise. At the right time, at the right moment, there will be a transformation. And what the Lord speaks to you this morning is don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't throw in the towel. Continue to persevere. Continue to trust Him. Even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, continue to put your hope and trust in His good and precious promise. i going to take a few moments to continue to pray. And I'm going to invite those of you who are willing to pray with others to come and to stand here at the front. And if you need prayer today, you want someone to intercede with you. Maybe you're in that moment of the desert. You've been at the peak. Now you're in the desert place. You want God to affirm his promise in your life. You want his comforting power to come and you want to drink deeply from the well of his promise to you. I invite you to come to let someone pray with you. While we seek him together in this place. If you need prayer, please come someone intercede with you this morning?